What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you are having an amazing day. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I'm your host, Jay Nixon. And if you know anything about me or you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that my goal is to help you live your happiest, healthiest life while on the quest to cure obesity. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am immensely grateful that you spend your time listening to me rant and ramble about all things health, wellness, abundance, and opportunity. It absolutely means the world to me. Today's episode is sponsored by my brand new weight loss transformation program called FLEX. FLEX stands for a flexible lifestyle eating and exercise program. And my promise is this, it will be the last program you ever need to purchase. It is a weight loss program that is not a diet. I know that just blew your mind. This is not a diet. There's no pills, potions, or false promises that you have to purchase. There's no fad, no covers of magazines, no doctors and lab coats. This is real deal lifestyle transformation that is going to change your life forever. You will never need to do another diet. You're going to get expert level support and accountability. You're going to get transformative information about how to eat, when to eat, what to eat. There's three reasons that people struggle with weight loss. There's too, It's too much, too often, or the wrong combination. They're either eating too much food, too often, or they're eating the wrong combinations. And I'm going to help you fix all three of those. Thousands of people just like you have ditched the depressive diet roller coaster, have come on board with the Thrive Forever Fit flex program and are transforming their lives. We've got clients that have lost 10 pounds in the first seven days, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. We've got clients that are over 130 pounds down. Guys, I promise you, this is the last program you'll ever need to purchase. And I am more than honored to offer it to you so that I can help you on your journey. All right, let's get to the show. My guest today is Julian Gudula. Julian is the creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, which has over 300 episodes. The podcast is centralized around the theme of regeneration, positive planetary action, and systematic change. Julian is a leadership expert. He's a podcast producer, high-performing coach, and event creator. He's done over hundreds of events for the last 15 years on three different continents. Today, you guys are in for an absolute treat. We are going to talk about thinking in decades instead of days and thinking about how you can gain control of your own life so that you can help lead yourself and lead others. You're in for an absolute treat today. I'm pumped about the show. Saddle up and get ready. Julian, welcome to the show, brother. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm excited, Jay. I'm doing well. What about you? Dude, I'm having an awesome day. Now, we are we probably couldn't be further apart. So why don't you give uh, the listeners a little background on, you know, kind of who you are. I mean, I talked a lot about you in, in the intro, but kind of where you are, why you're there, and the whole nine yards, man. 
Sounds good. So I am recording this episode out of my childhood home in Bavaria in Germany. Um, about every year or so I make a travel back, you know, visit the parents, visit the folks. And, and this happens to be while we're recording this episode. Usually I, I live most of my year in uh, Canada on Vancouver Island. And, you know, I've over the years just become somewhat of a world traveler. So the last two decades now, uh, since I'm 15, I've, I've left home for the first time, lived in South America for a bit, and then, you know, at some point made my way to North America. And, and so I can't really deny my roots. And I love coming back home to give my grandparents and my parents a good old hug. And so that's what brings me to Germany at this point in time. Now, just for the listeners, because I'm sure very few have either been to Germany or, or know in what's it like there right now? So we're recording this episode on what is today, November the 22nd. What is, what's yeah. the weather? What's the, it's two, two, one, one, 22, right? So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's a cold and gnarly November day. Let's put it this way. I was just outside, walk, walk the dog, like actually, and, um, watched a, a beautiful sunset, but it's, it's freezing cold. We're close to zero Celsius and, it's winter, so you know um, it's probably going to be one of those to, to light a fire in the fireplace later tonight, and it's it's cozy vibes all around. That's yeah. that's what's going on right now. Yeah, awesome. Before we dive into kind of like you know what you're doing today, um, walk me through what it's like, um, you know, being little Julian growing up in Germany, and then and then how do we decide one day, hey, you know what, I'm ready to I'm ready to roll. Like I'm ready I'm ready to go do something different. That's a big. Mm. That's a big swing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How'd you get to that place? Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, you know, little Julian, <laughs> the way he grew up, <laughs> I got to say, you know, I think in, in the global context of all the different ways of growing up, I grew up in a very privileged and protected kind of, you know, bubble, um, you know, well loved by my, my, my family, my sister, my parents, my, my grandparents, they already mentioned uh, lots of friends living in walking distance. I grew up right next to a forest. Um, and they like a just a beautiful natural area. And so until I was about, you know, 10, 11, 12, I didn't really think about the world out there all too much. Like um, I was born in 87. So for those of you who were born around that same time ish, well, or before, you know how it was like, there was no tech toys. There was no, there's not even a Game Boy. There, there was no PlayStation, wow. no computer, no internet. So we played outside, man. I mean, what I did was come home from school and throw my backpack in the corner and not think of tomorrow and just like kick a soccer ball or run in the forest and you know bring my friends and build little like dams and rivers and stuff like that you know i mean rivers really they were like little creeks but is it is it bavaria is that i saying that right yeah you're saying that right that's the southern half of germany i guess okay. like uh, uh you know it's one of the states slash provinces slash departments in germany and so it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful area it's like rolling hills Okay. Um, it's, it's quite a bit of ways from the Alps where, where I grew up particularly. And so, um, you know, the Alps would be the major mountains in Europe. And so it was just a lot of outdoor time and then yeah. right around 12, 13, 14. And I think that is really relevant to share. There was something that happened to me. It was like, a, you know, now 20 years later, I would call it like a, a, a aha moment or like almost a spiritual awakening of like first degree in that sense. And to anyone who who's familiar with Rudolf Steiner, the founder of Waldorf schools, they would they would know what I'm talking about in in seven year cycles. Um, our development happens, especially as kids, but actually throughout all of our life. And so right around 12, 13, 14, right when that second seven year cycle ended, I had this distinct and really clear notion of I want to go abroad. 
And don't ask me where it came from. It was just, that's why I call it like an aha moment or like a, you know, um, low level spiritual awakening in the sense that I just knew there was something I had to do. And yeah. uh, long story short, I ended up in Paraguay and South America, which, you know, um, if you've ever been there and you've been to Germany too, it, it couldn't be more opposite to each other. Right. So like, you know, I grew up in a beautiful, I call it like a protected bubble. Um, but I also grew up in a very industrialized country, right? Germany, just like the States at large is, is highly industrialized as you know, everything is run like a machine things, quotation marks, they work, you know, um, not that as a kid, I, I took note of that a lot. But when I went to Paraguay, there was there's a few elements that happened to me. One was, I had to go into into just like hyperdrive, like quantum learning, right? Um, I learned Spanish and Portuguese and a whole bunch of English in that year. I, I met like hundreds, if not thousands of new people. I, I lived in a host family for a year, bless their hearts. They were really kind, really sweet to me. Um, but culturally speaking, it was just day and night. It was so different from Germany. And the the reason why I still like to share that story, and, and thanks for asking me, Jay. Yeah. Um, the reason why I like to share that story is because it, it flipped my worldview upside down. And when I returned to Germany after a full year of being immersed in the country of Paraguay and, you know, learning Spanish actually to fluency and, you know, doing, doing school there and doing all the things a teenager does at age 15, 16, that's, that's when I actually ended up there. Um, I had a massive cultural shock, not when I went there, when I came back home. Because I realized that a lot of the adults in the world around me, they, they didn't quite have that life experience of living in another country, of accepting different kind of habits, different kind of, you know, cultural, um, yeah, just ways of being. And so, yeah, I had, I had this massive cultural shock because I realized Germany as this industrialized country, again, where quotation marks, things just work, you know, the trains on time. And if it's two minutes late, people are upset. I could feel that people were fundamentally not happy. They weren't loving, they weren't kind, they weren't, I mean, you know, I'm generalizing, but they weren't right. really living life in a way that I just experienced in the South American family in this, in this, you know, tribe of people that were, was ultimately living a pretty simple life, but their value of family and their value of, of just being with each other was so much higher than any other values of their, you know, of their daily life. And so that really stuck with me. And that is something, um, I don't think I ever let go of in these last 20 years. And I realized that, you know, maybe that's also what kept me going and kept me traveling and, and, you know, living in other countries is that we as humans are fundamentally connected through the love and the care we gift each other. And yeah. it doesn't matter if the train is late or, you know, if things happen the way you plan them, because the, the connection we have through kindness, love, and, and simply being with each other is worth, at least to me, a lot more than it is to just live in a machine-like world. Yeah, two things popped up for me. Was this, um, you know, to go abroad or to go to leave your country and go on like an exchange type thing, was that normal? And I, I'm using normal, I'll, I'll use quotations. Like, was that something that you, hey, oh, my friend did this a few years ago, or this is something that your culture is used to doing. And then secondarily, whenever you came back at that age, that's a really... I mean, that's a really eye-opening thing for such a young person to be able to, to fundamentally, compart, you know, to be aware of, did it make you want to stay or did it make you want to go? Like, how, what were your feelings mm -hmm. when you got that? So, so first and foremost, was it, was it normal or traditional to, to go abroad or was this mm -hmm. kind of like a, a Julian thing? You're like, Hey, uh, I'm yeah. ready to roll. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that, that is a great question. I think at large it's, 
becoming a lot more normal nowadays. Yeah. Um, but still, it is it is a very you know it, it it is a very special thing to do for any teenager, and I do highly recommend it if that isn't you know your um, in the field of possibilities around you. Back when this was like 2003, when I actually left, I was obviously not the first person to do that. Uh, out of my high school year, I think it was me and one other person. Most okay. Germans went to the US. Um, it was kind of a special thing to go to South America at that age group. Um, you know, South America being the big unknown, I guess. I, right. I was just ready and excited and looking forward. But I remember my mom was frightened, right? Like she was just like, oh my God, like what are we saying <laughs> yes to? And yeah, you know, I kind of wish that this was almost like normalized to the point that everyone gets to experience it because there is some kind of uh, emancipation that happens in a year like that. And, you know, the, the whole teenage um, kind of time, I, I have a, a quite a bit of an, a different experience than most kids had at the time because I had to deal with topics of life at that age. I was still protected. I did have a host family that did, did take good care of me, but, you know, there, there was just a, a different set of possibilities available. Um, that second part of the question, yeah, when I when when I got back home, it definitely encouraged me to keep going. I think, and this is you know this is something that that shows up a lot in my work today in in the coaching I do in the events I host, uh, even in the podcast I host is this notion of what can I do to lead myself to embrace experiences that actually support me, that actually allow my spirit, my personality, my my ability to yeah to engage in life that increase those possibilities, right? Like, what can I do to lead myself? And then the secondary piece there is when you, when you step into the unknown, you have to embrace what's there. There's very little planning. There's very little um, like knowing beforehand. And so it really sharpens your present moment awareness. And so, um, yeah, I found it was a huge gift. Uh, again, I had quite a bit of a backlash when I arrived back in my home culture because I realized this might not be for me. And, and this yeah. is maybe the, the third through line here is that like that feeling, and I'm sure you, you've had that in your life before too, Jay, is like, wait, is this it? Is there more? Yeah. That was a feeling I was really left with. Wait, is this it? Is there more? Right. And so when I came back home, I was like, this was nice. I want more of what I just tasted and and in this life around me, you know, like stand in line, finish school, go to university, get a well-paying job. I kind of, you know, I tried this for a little bit, but I I kind of felt like this this can't be it, right? Like this isn't right. what all the adults do just to figure out, you know, get, getting a well-paying job and then that's the end of the line until you're 65 and yada, yada, yada. So, so basically yeah. like it left me with a big thirst for more, yeah. It sounds like it gave you like a sense of awareness, like to the, you know, to not just the world that you had grown up in, but like that there was a, there was a, just a, a differentiation of, of different places. And like, you probably, you said the word emancipation, like you grew up probably a lot during that, that transitional year. Yeah, I was definitely an idiot teenager also, like no well, question. Well, I mean, right? let's, well, <laughs> my hands up in the air. I mean, like who was yeah, it? <laughs> both hands up in the air here. But 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 besides that, like you you definitely right. There was an, an an element of growing up and an element of understanding certain similarities that all people all people, um, you know, of all backgrounds, you yeah. know, as long as they're humans that we share that that became really present to me. And and also an ability to read between the lines. So when I when I came back to to Germany back in the day, I had to finish two more years of school. And it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, that I did finish school. And I'm happy yeah. that I was, um, you know, blessed with the education I had. But 
I, it just felt meaningless to me compared to yeah. all of the lessons that life have. And so many of the teachers back in the day, they, they, they didn't have that worldview. And so I realized, okay, there are going to be a whole group of adults with whom I cannot have these kind of conversations, even though in, in theory, when you grow up, you think they're adults, they should know, but they really simply didn't know because they didn't have the life experience. And so it right. did teach me a few things about life that yeah, man. I I mean, I just I just had to figure them out by myself and keep yeah. going. You know, I love human psychology, so my brain just went to the place where were you able to articulate the differentiations when you came back, or was it just like an awareness, like you knew things were different, but you weren't. You know what I'm talking? You, you couldn't you couldn't put a put a finger on it, but you knew mm. just things like this is just different. Or were you really able to kind of articulate the the differentiations in the culture, and then in doing so. Did you try to have conversations like even with your family, like, hey, mom and dad, like we're too rigid or we're too this or we're too that? Or did you kind of keep it to yourself? Mm -hmm. Did you just pick the rigid out of the German uh, prejudice box? No, no, <laughs> no you'd not, be right not on. at all. No, I'm, I'm joking. But uh, hey, man, so the, the truth is now, 20 years later, I'm much more able to articulate that. Okay. Um, when I was a teenager, I think there was just a lot going on. I, you know, I wouldn't have even called it like a, you know, a, you know, a spiritual awakening in that sense. I know though, at this point that it definitely was because, you know, life has these ways of how to make itself present to us, right? Like the, just the exposure to the Guarani people and the, you know, the native indigenous people of Paraguay at the time was a total blessing that I took me a decade or so to really understand that, that that's what happened, that I, you know, encountered um, original people in a way that you barely can in any other country. And, and so, no, I wasn't really fully able to articulate it. I had this, this deep sense um, that something shifted that was just, you know, irrevertible. And so I, I understood that, and this comes back to leading yourself, I understood that I had to keep going and that, yeah. you know, in life, um, you can't always ask for permission because most of the time, the only person you have to ask for permission from is yourself anyway, yeah. right? And so, um, yeah, truth be told, I was definitely still in teenager mode for, you know, a, a few different years. But but deep down, there was also just like a certain kind of wisdom that was arising. And, you know, someone back in the day encouraged me to um, start writing a journal. And so I did since around about the age of 14, I started journaling and, and, oh, and writing cool. things down and reflecting on things in written form. And I have those old journals. And when I go through them, it's quite fascinating. It's like two, three pages of like teenage gibberish. I did this, I went there on the weekend, we had X amount of beers and this girl was cute. And what about that one? And, and then, you know, you flip the page and then suddenly there's this like divine poetry. And I'm like, did I write this? Right. Oh, I must have, I must have been the one writing this. And so what I'm trying to say here is that through the writing, I could see that there's kind of like different elements of myself that came alive, right? So like the, the personality self, and then the deeper, more aware, more, um, more present part of the self that is, yeah, connected to, to all things. Yeah, this kind of brings me full circle. Like in our pre-chat, you mentioned like thinking in decades and not days. And now I think I, I get it more so after hearing you just kind of explain that. It's mm. like when you can expand your your horizon and your your perspective, it really changes, really changes how things are, or it really changes how you see things, right? Yeah, big time. I mean, thinking in decade, not days, is a major uh, a major access to dreaming your dream into reality. Um, let me elaborate on that a little bit. So, 
you know, some of the most powerful people in the world, it doesn't matter if we deem what they do as good or bad, but they do think in decade and not days. And that's how a lot of their goals actually end up coming true. Because most people are stuck in the day-to-day, in the week-by-week or like maximum. And they're like, what am I going to achieve in this year, right? Like, you know, how people, especially in the fitness space, struggle with just, uh, you know, like New Year's resolutions. You, yeah. you have them for January 1st, you do them for two weeks, and then you're like, oh, down already. But what about that 10-year vision of your health? What about that 10-year vision of your well-being? And so the number one thing that clicked for me, this is pre-Google Maps, by the way. Like, you know, I didn't have a tablet in my hand. I was sitting there in, in Paraguay in the little room that they, they had for me. And I was actually opening a book, you know, um, with, you know, a map in it, a world map in it. And I was like, whoa, Germany, Paraguay, Germany, Paraguay. And so it uh-huh. dawned on me that like my dream from a year prior became true. Right. So what you dream into the field, what you dream into the space can become true when you take the actions and the consequential steps to to meet life in the process of dreaming. So that's that's kind of like one piece of it is like dare to dream and then dare also to make those consequential steps. But when you think in decades and not days or weeks what becomes possible is so much more because you have suddenly kind of it's almost like you're going through um you know, an, an element of timelessness because you're realizing that goals might take longer um, or they might also be realized faster. But even if they take longer, your commitment, your determination, your, your, your access to them doesn't waver. And so that's the main difference between thinking in decade, not days. And I'll, I'll add one piece there. And, you know, it's, it's when you, no matter how old you are, when you envision yourself 20, 30, 40 years later, like let's say, you know, I'm 35 at this moment as we're recording, what would my 65-year-old version say in this interview? What is that deeper inner wisdom that I have access to today when I just slow down, take a few deep breaths and connect to? Because in a certain way, many of us know this, time is an illusion, right? Like when you talk to a lot of, you know, elders and you you realize in, in in their world, lots has changed the body has aged time has passed but that element that is the true inner self that hasn't changed since they're a teenager right like Uh many people say oh i still feel like when i was 20 years old and and that is because that inner part of ourselves is just present it is absolutely timeless and so that's i believe one of the beauties of thinking in decade not days is to realize that you know, this is your life. This is your time to become an active dreamer of the dream of life rather than living a dream that was dreamt for us. Totally. Yeah, kind of removing some of that programming that that was put into us at an early age. Like you said earlier, I mean, it struck a chord with me because I so believe that like, you know, set in straight lines, raise your hand when the bell rings, go here. It's like such a utilitarian approach to Mm. life and that's really no way to live. I mean, that's not living, right? You're just kind of like, function as a robot in somebody else's system. And so I think when you can think in decades and not days and, and such a such a great concept and I, I personally do the exact same thing. It's, it's like, I don't believe in finish lines. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get to where it is that I think I want to go right now because I know once I get closer, I'm going to expand that horizon exactly. and, just keep, and keep just keep evolving and growing. And, you know, you do a lot of leadership coaching. And so I'm sure you, you are, you're consistently, you know, trying to drive this point home because the world we live in today is very instant gratification, right? The push of a button yeah. and, you know, with, I can order from Amazon and the guy shows up before I even finish my transaction. 
So it's the, it, we live in the most bizarre, you know, cause like you and I grew up, like you said, no internet, no video games, no cell phones, no anything. It's like, there was no push of anything. Like you, if you wanted something done, you had to get up and go do it, even to change the TV. And so, um, and you might've grown up with a remote control, but I, I was born in the seventies. So there was no remote controls. I was the dial remote on control. the TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was me. Well, the thing with the 10 years, right. Is also, or the decades is that, that you become aware that, well, that is a long time ahead of me. So maybe it is possible to plant a garden. Maybe it is possible to raise my kids the way I want to raise my kids. Right. Oh. So the possibility field widens. And with that, um, often what holds us back, the procrastination, the, the discouragement, the, you know, the things we do that keep us away from our dreams. When we think in decades, there is literally nothing that separates us from any achievement. Yeah, one million percent agree. I think that goes back to the, you know, when we're in that instant gratification moment, like, especially, you know, with social media and all those mm. things, it's like, we're looking for that, like that, that hit a dopamine immediately. And when we don't get it, we think of, well, this must have failed, or I must yeah. suck, or this wasn't worth it. Or, you know, there's a laundry list of the, the, the negative programming that we've allowed to dictate our own behaviors. Big time. And I think like, I love what you do with, with the whole leadership thing and, and the post that you put on, on social media a couple of days ago about, you know, the number one role of being a lifeguard, right? Is like, you know, you can't save somebody else if you're drowning. Like whenever you put that, I, I like to get into psychology. Like when you put that yeah. post up, was it just like, this is a pretty cool poster. Were you kind of like thinking in terms of like personal leadership or, or something that you're doing or whatnot? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so thinking in decade, not days is one of those, you know, paradigm changing principles. Leading oneself is another one. And you said it, the lifeguard, you know, that, that, that is an example, um, you know, in airplanes, when they show you the, the little video at the beginning yeah. of, of any flight that you like, you got to put that air mask, if it happens to drop on your own, own face first, before you can even help the child next to you is another one of those. I'll, I'll give you another example when, you know, unless you're in school, but, but if you need to go to the bathroom, you won't ask anyone for permission, right? But how about your biggest dream or, you know, the vision you had as a six or seven year old? Like, why is it that people wait for permission or acknowledgement from other people rather than giving themselves the acknowledgement to say, wait a second, this is in my inner dreaming field. This is in my consciousness. Maybe yeah. this is meant for me. And so we don't necessarily need to ask for permission. In fact, I would dare to say, there is no need to ask for permission at all. Now, given, of course, that you don't hurt someone else in the process of what you're creating, but we become so much more powerful when we stand in integrity and in uh, determination and commitment to our own dreams. Again, I would use the, um, the Toltec wisdom here uh, as my crutch. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz is one of the authors that wrote about this quite a bit. Uh, he's the author of uh, the four agreements or now the five agreements. And you know, the Toltec wisdom talks about there's a dream that is dreamt for us. You called it programming or, you know, the, the, the world and the powers in the world that currently are. And then there is the process of awakening to becoming a dreamer in this world, meaning that the dreams that are within your own field, the, the things that happen to you when you sit in deep meditation or, um, you know, the the ideas you get when you're without your cell phone alone in nature or you're doing the ice bath or whatever it is you're doing and you're realizing i see this vision those are our dreams right and so when we want those to become real no one will lead us there 
right. other than ourselves. And so, um, you know, we have to be the ones that lead ourselves. And the lifeguard example is just like a metaphor. And I think that's why, you know, where I made the post is, is because in those metaphors, people can often see it. But really what leadership coaching for me is, is helping people to not just see it and understand it, but then to realize it. And I mean, realize in, in the actual meaning of the word to making it real, right? We all have a dream or several dreams inside of us. And many of us wait way too long to act on them or wait until the end of their life and then say, oh, the circumstances were never favorsome. But, you know, this is another one that we get from the first principle, which is thinking in decade, not days. Well, things do go wrong sometimes. So becoming resilient and being able to, you know, actually work and create an integrity often means clean up, reflect, learn and try again. Right. And yeah. so when we look at professional athletes, for example, that's what they do all day long. Like you can't miss a shot in the first quarter of a basketball game and then say, coach, I need to leave the field. Like yeah. I, I missed that shot. No, you bounce back. You, you take a few deep breaths and you go for the next shot. Right. And so it's very similar with all pursuits in life. And so unless we lead ourselves to that, um, and that can be very simple. You know, the example could be that you work for a company and you have no um, compensation structure um, for a bonus, for example, on your on your you know on your work contract. So if you want that in there, you got to talk to your um, you know to your employer and say, hey, I'd love to talk with you about that compensation structure. I think it's time that we you know find that in writing. And and so those are very simple examples, or that's a very simple example to say, look no one will do this for you unless you dare to have that conversation. Yeah. You know, I find this a lot in my world is that people ask for permission when they should be asking for support. Yes, and, that's and it's, it. It's really radical. It, it blows my mind. It's like, you know, we'll have somebody who is ready to take that leap and, and like get, you know, they're in a health crisis and they want to lose weight and they want to, they want to get off medications and they want to transform their, their body. And then they, they, always revert to, well, I want to check with my significant other and make sure this is okay. Mm -hmm. And I always pause and say, you know, I'm, I'll use, I'll say, you know, Keith, like, it sounds to me like you're asking for permission when you should be asking for support. Mm -hmm. Like we shouldn't have to ask for permission to, to, to win for ourselves. You know what I mean? And I think we've, we've gotten locked into a weird, I'm going to use the word programming again. Yep. What, I mean, give me, give me your perspective on that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fully with you, Jay. I think, you know, the word programming is really fitting. Again, I, I will use the, the, the framework of the, the dream that is dreamt by others for us. So, mm -hmm. you know, most people that went to a regular school, um, you know, and not everyone did, but probably most people listening to this did go to a regular, uh, you know, regular school. And so in that school, we were separated by age groups um, simply to compare ourselves to everyone else in the same age group and perform to always who is the best, right? It's like a pure yeah. comparison game. And if we don't know, then we're told to be silent, to sit down and to repeat. And so it really discourages our spirit, our, you know, uh, innate, you know, birthright of, of, of living in exploration, living in curiosity, living in the process of life, not in the perfection of life. And so that's, you know, that's a big step in that programming or in that, you know, dream that is dreamt for us is that we're being discouraged to embrace natural processes of life. And in that natural process of life, which I would summarize with the word curiosity or the word experimentation, 
you know, when we get encouraged to do so, then asking for support becomes a natural second. And many of us learn this as adults. Many of us learn this through self-development or leadership practices. Yeah. Um, you know, some of us learn this with our friends or even from our parents, but most people don't ever learn this. And so, yeah, there's, there's this culture of stand in line, uh, two meters distance from each other and don't ask questions. Right. And so that's, that's very unfortunate because I do believe that um, following the idea of curiosity and experimentation, which is innate in all children, um, so much more is possible. Now I'm not saying that that's an open playing field without any boundaries, right. boundaries, are important, just like support is important. Um, but you know, without digressing into education, they're too, too much. I think it has a lot to do with the way we grow up. And I think that's why we see more and more parents trying to find a way how to get their kids out of the regular schooling system. Yeah, agreed. You know, you said something in, in that post, it was you, you listed the five symptoms of not leading yourself. And the number five kind of goes right in line with what we're talking about. It's prioritizing other people's well being ahead of ourselves. I find that a lot too. Like I find people saying, well, like they'll put everybody else's health and wellness and even financial wellness mm. and health in front of their own. And then they lead a life of, I mean, overwhelm, anxiety, mm. depression, not being as happy as they should be, but they continually do that because they've been trained or, or taught that that's the way of the, of the world. Like, how do you move somebody from that place out of that place into a, into a place of personal, you know, leadership? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, there, there are many different ways, right? So in my work, we, we host both in-person experiences like immersions or, you know, formerly often called retreats. I don't love the word, word retreat as much, but it's, it's, it's ultimately that, you know, like yeah. a week where you change the environment, you go to, to a place that, that, you know, is much more conducive. You create winning circumstances for people and you, you help them, you know, liberate through different experiences. Um, you know, full disclosure, in some of my retreats, we also um, call on the, the allies of plant medicines that can help quite a bit to deprogram or to purge out old, um, you know, uh, yeah, stuck beliefs that are in, in the system. When that's the event work in the interpersonal work or the, the online coaching programs I run, um, what we focus on is, first of all, is that, that bottom line acknowledgement for how we've come to the place that we're in right now. Because most of us, because we went through these schooling systems that basically just, you know, acknowledge us if we are in peak performance. So if we get good grades, we get acknowledged. If we don't, then, well, shit out of luck, you didn't make it, right? And so many of us walk around with this like big wound inside of us that is like, I want to be acknowledged for who I am. And so I truly believe that everyone does deserve that. But for me, that is the starting place, right? And then from there, it is about understanding what is this unique dream that lives inside of you? And how do you actually embrace that in a daily way, right? Again, I believe resilience is a big piece of it because not everything will always go right. But the ability to bounce back is a pivotal piece of coming, uh, yeah, kind of around, you know, from, from, you know, not living your full power into continuously getting out more of your power and embodying all of it. Yeah. Uh, I also believe devotion is a big piece of it. So uh, non-denominational, I, I don't, personally don't care in which way somebody practices devotion, but devotion for me is a, you know, a non-dogmatic practice of reverence for life itself. That could happen through meditation. It could happen through nature walks. It could happen through prayer, uh, even through journaling. But if we don't have respect for life and the process of life, it's very, very difficult to actually connect to the lever that allows us to move, um, you know, into higher spheres of performance. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, there's there's quite a bit more to it, but those would be the first ones yeah. I would start with. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, one of my quests and one of my, you know, I feel like my, one of my life's purposes and passions is to help other people like live theirs. You know what I mean? To see that mm -hmm. there's like, you can really be, do and have anything that you desire. If you're willing to, to go after it, why do you think we've been stifled so much in, in the quest of our own dreams? I mean, the quote you gave a while ago by, by Don Miguel Ruiz is, is spot on, but like mm -hmm. in, in layman's terms, in your perspective, Cause I see it almost every single day. I see somebody mm. that I know has a dream that they're not even, they're almost even unwilling to talk about it. You know what I mean? They just keep it inside and they stifle it and they push it down and down and down. And I think that leads to more chaos and more overwhelm and more, you know, angst. Like what, what are mm. your thoughts around that? The, the big why, like, why yeah. is that so? Yeah. I mean, why do you think we do that? Like, why do you think more of us aren't willing to to, to go after the things that, you know, the dreams that you talked about that we said that, that you know, people want, but they're unwilling mm. to, to actually pursue them. Yeah. I, I do think, you know, we already kind of touched on it. It is the underlying conditioning. The programming is, it is, it is about how we actually get, um, you know, I'll use some esoteric terms here, loved into being. What I mean with that is how we get encouraged to be who we truly are. And so when we look at this world and, you know, I'll point at the schooling system, but it's the same in work culture everything is based on competition. And I don't believe that that is actually the highest state of our species. Now, I'm not saying competition is wrong. I'm not saying competition doesn't have um, some good elements to it, but I don't think we actually live in a field of competition. And so when you get primed that competition is everything there is, then for a lot of people, it is much more convenient to say, you know what? I'm not even going to compete because I'm afraid that I'm not going to succeed. I'm afraid that I'm not going to make it to number one. I'm afraid yeah. that this isn't going to be right. And so the fear of com competing is, is a big block. The fear of doing the wrong thing again in the schooling system, if you don't know the right answer, what, what's the consequence? Yeah. You usually don't get encouraged. You get told that you're dumb or you get an F or a six or whatever the grading system is in your country. And so, um, you know, it's very discouraging for a lot of people and those, we see this a lot in the work with plant medicines. A lot of the 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 deep trauma in people it always goes back to childhood. It always yeah. goes back to the way we grow up. And so I think, um, you know, just like in the natural world in us and around us, it to me, it seems like there is a highly complex system of synarchy going on. And what that means is um, there is like a synergistic collaboration going on. And within that collaboration, there are different layers or tiers of competition as well. But competition is only one of the elements of how the natural world, again, including us humans, interacts. So as long as we have the main focus of how we build society and of how we bring up young people, um, the main focus on competition, I think we will always stifle the many um, and only further the few. And so that to me is by design you know your question was why is that so well by design because if you have millions and millions of people in a country it's so much easier to control them or maneuver them if you fundamentally make them afraid of their own potential if you fundamentally tell them that you know if you follow the rules your life's going to be better right and so i don't play by the rules i play with the rules and that's what yeah. i help people to understand is like rules are a guideline again we're talking about um you know the, the the larger playing field of of as long as you don't hurt a third party while you're creating what you're creating then what i'm saying i believe is true and and that is that rules are yours to play with so you can create 
um, and often in a collaborative way or in a synarchic way, which would mean in an interplay, right? In an interrelation with people around you. And then competition can be nice because if team A and team B, you know, work together with each other, but then they also play against each other to see who's, who does it in an even more genuine way. Um, you know, that's kind of where all of these different layers come to play. But I think the fundamental reason why, and that was your question is, is because it's, it's by design. There's yeah. um, a large benefit for, um, you know, few people. And, and, and that's at least until now has been the dominant paradigm on this planet. Yeah, you know, I'm big on definitions and I, I encourage everybody to, you know, define life on your terms instead of using yeah. societal or other people's terms. Two things came up when you were talking about that competition element that keeps people kind of stuck from living their dreams. And mm -hmm. it was, I don't know if you'd call it the, you know, the the twin brother or or the maybe the stepbrother, but with competition comes that comparison thing. And I think that's exactly. what people people spend a lot of time comparing themselves to others. Um, either a prematurely or not comparing the same, you know, context of, of information. And that keeps them stuck in that, in that world of like, well, this person, there's no way I could ever do that because I don't have yeah. what they have versus. Well, let's let's a make a short example there, Jay. I yeah. love what you're bringing up because you're right. Like competition and comparison are like, you know, maybe they're close cousins, uh, but maybe they're twins. You, you might be right that they're actual twins. Like, you know, um, a great example would be, and this goes probably for every single person listening. We as humans usually love music, right? Uh, rhythm, like our heartbeat is a rhythm. We operate within the rhythm of nature. Our, you know, our fertility cycle, you know, especially in the body of females and women, I mean, the fertility cycle is a cycle for a reason, right? But we are connected to these cycles of nature, the moon, the waters in our body, the waters of the planet, the rhythm of our heart, et cetera, et cetera. Now in different cultures, often in the global South, people grow up with a lot more rhythm embodied and like music and dancing as part of their life. But generalizing, almost every human being loves to move their body, sing or make any form of rhythmic movement or drumming. But most of us barely ever express this on a daily basis, because as you just said, if you compare yourself to the Grammy award winning artist, right. well, then maybe you didn't make the cut and you're just not as musical. Or maybe, you know, when you were six years old, someone in school said your voice sucks. And so you're not as musical. But actually, I don't believe that's true. I believe that we are fundamentally more joyful when we express these really basic um, you know, gifts of the human body and of the human soul. And so um, for me, music is often is often one of the key examples when it comes to comparison and competition, because you don't have to be the best at music to experience massive amounts of joy from yeah. singing or drumming or dancing. Yeah, I got kicked out of sixth grade choir and I still sing. So <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> so what do you, you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes you just got to you know, it, it is what I agree with you, though. When I mean, you were talking about all that, that's so such a great analogy. It's like you're right. It's like, you know, in in beauty or the sound of the beauty is in the ear or eye of the beholder as well. You know what I mean? Like enjoy, especially. Right. So that's yeah. kind of the point I'm trying to make here is that n not everything and probably most anything needs to be done for being the best person at it. Now, again, yeah. there is a place for that. And, and I'm not trying to, to talk that place into shits, but, but that shouldn't be the only motivation at yeah. all, right? So if you're really good at something to then say, you know what, why don't I compete and see how good I really am at that? Go for it. I think that's great. But 
for most people, because we are 8 billion people on there, like let's take running, right? There's only one fastest runner out of 8 billion right. people. Should that mean that no one else should get joy out of running? No, right. of course not, right? So receiving joy from an activity simply for the sake of receiving joy from an activity, that for me is the key, right? And again, that's leading yourself of realizing, oh boy, I like singing. Well, why don't yeah. I do it more often? Well. Yeah. Let me do it more often. And then the chances are you raise your vibration because you suddenly feel good. And because you suddenly feel better, you now have access to the next set of possibilities based on simply being more, you know, being closer to them, vibrationally speaking. Absolutely. Before we, the last point I want to touch on is this, and I think this is a great way to wrap it up because I think a lot of people are stuck hiding by that. I'm going to use that phrase and then I'll unpack it. You're hiding behind the idea of, perfectionism or mm -hmm. waiting for the perfect time or the perfect scenario or the perfect day or the perfect whatever it is i personally don't believe in perfect like mm -hmm. in i mean what's what are your thoughts and perspectives on that on on that whole waiting or thinking you know when things are perfect then i'll then i'll be happy julian then i'll mm -hmm. i'll go after what i want to do when things are perfect yeah well perfection is such an interesting one right so I believe that, you know, either everything is already perfectly deliciously as it should be, or nothing ever is going to be perfect. There you go. Right? So, you know, you pick your battle here. But basically, I'm in agreement with you, Jay, that it is, it, it is really not about waiting until circumstances are perfect. Now, there are winning circumstances. There are yeah. better moments to do things and there are worse moments to do things. But if you always wait and never take action, that is the worst course of action that could happen, right? So um, yeah, perfectionism, total, total game stopper. Um, I really believe that avoidance and procrastination and, 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 you know, this mentally perceived perfectionism is what stops most people from living their dreams. And I would encourage listeners and, and anyone who, who's gotten anything out of this episode to really, really check yourself. Where in your life is that maybe still true? Where you have a dream, you have a desire, you're, you're maybe kind of possibly wanting to, but you're letting that idea that you're just not good enough yet stop yourself. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that um, everything should just be winged and done without right. you know, rehearsing. Obviously, not the opposite is true. But very often when we take a first step, we learn from that first step, which helps us to take the second step. And then we learn from the second step, right? And maybe full circle here to what I shared earlier about decades, not days. Now thinking in decade, not days does not mean to leave the present moment. It means that when you have the time to reflect, think in decades, set your goal in decades, but always come back to that one right next step in front of you. And for that right next step, you don't need more perfect circumstances. In right. fact, you probably already know what that is. If that is going downstairs to make dinner, which is very likely my next step after this episode, you know, or, or if that is sending that email, or if that is, you know, calling that friend that you haven't called in 10 years, go do it. Don't wait for perfect and, and lean into life because life is really worth living. And the process of living is the process of trial and error. That's why I said earlier, curiosity is innate in all human beings. And I do believe that the process of curiosity um, plays itself out in experimenting and experimenting. You know, that means sometimes things go right, sometimes they go wrong. But if you don't experiment, you'll be on the sidelines forever. 
Totally agree. Dude, you are an absolute rock star, man. I could we could probably jam and, and rap for another hour. Or so tell everybody. So tell us about the podcast. Um, where can we listen? I mean, obviously all the major things, but tell us the name, what it's all about, and then the best place for somebody to follow you if they just want a little a little boost of, of, of Julian in their day. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jay, for the plug. So my podcast is called Green Planet, Blue Planet. Uh, podcast and it's on all the major uh, all the major podcast apps you know Spotify and Apple Podcasts mainly uh, I've been doing this for five years so there's about 317 episodes out there Jay you'll be one of the the next guests coming on awesome. um, you know at large the podcast is about all things regeneration and self-leadership um, so tune into that podcast it's also greenplanet-blueplanet.com um, yeah, and check out my Instagram. So it's, you know, my full name, Julian Guderlai, um, on Instagram, there's all kinds of links for the next events. I think the next one coming up is early 2023 in Mexico, a beautiful experience. Um, and then after that in Brazil. So, you know, I am still the global traveler that, that I have been go. since age 15. So if someone feels uh, called into exotic places and wants to really level up their life, uh, you know, um, hit me up. I do read my own DMs. So um, send me a direct message there or, you know, find my email on the website and, and let's be in touch. Awesome. And I'm, guys, I will link every bit of that in the show notes so you don't have to type frantically or do all that stuff. So just go to the show notes. There'll be all the links. You'll be able to find Julian really easy. Julian, thank you so much, brother, for spending the time with me. Thank you, Jay. This was a pleasure. All right, man. I'll see you soon. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye.